This is KDLL, 91.9 FM, Kenai, Soldatna. Listener-supported public radio for the central Kenai Peninsula. You are tuned in to the Kenai Conversation. I'm Hunter Morrison. Today we are discussing outdoor recreation. We're joined in studio by Leah Eskelin, Dan Saxton, and Matt Bowser of the Kenai National Wildlife Refuge. We're also joined by Steve Ford, one of the longest active members of the Kenai Peninsula Outdoor Club. How's everyone doing today? Great. Great. Excited about the snow. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm always happy to talk about the great outdoors. Um, I think that's probably, at least for me, part of the reason why I moved here. Um, I guess I'll start with Steve. You know, where are you originally from and I guess what brought you up here? Well, I'm originally from uh, mainly high school and uh, college was back in Michigan. And there is quite a bit of similarity between here and the Upper Peninsula in Michigan. Uh, but mainly uh, just had a promise of a possible job in Juneau. And so I took a couple months, traveled through Canada, and ended up in Juneau and got a different job. <laughs> so I've been here uh, 40 45 years now. And Leah, what about you? I came here from Florida very happily. Um, I came as a college student trying to figure out what Alaska was all about, and I came for a week, and it's been 20 years. So not a very novel story, really, but absolutely the outdoors were what caught me. A fellow Floridian. Where are you from? Yeah, I grew up in Tampa. Oh, okay, cool. I grew up in near Pensacola, about grew up about 45 minutes from there uh so i grew up uh about an hour north of new york city and uh i came up uh to alaska here um for the job that i currently have here as cabins uh, in the cabin program and and matt what about you yeah i'm also a floridian born and raised in florida um, and came up after undergrad um, to be closer to family here in alaska what part of florida orlando and gainesville Oh, cool. Awesome. So, you know, um, for some people, recreational activities, you know, maybe brings people to a new location. Uh, Leah, you, you touched on it. Would you say that that's part of the reason why you moved up here? Yeah. You know, um, growing up where you can't sit down because something's going to bite you. Um, I like the scale of things that you might need to look out for here. Um, but no, this is such a diverse place and you can find something to do every part of the year. It's never really too cold or too hot for something. And I think that diversity and, um, now growing a family here and having kids, um, who don't understand the need for outdoor gear or winter gear, they're in, you know, hoodies and maybe long pants if they have to. And uh, that's a really cool perspective to watch as as I've got kind of kids growing up in Alaska. And Steve, you know, would you say that the outdoors is part of what brought you to the Kenai Peninsula? Yeah, absolutely. If I look back, um, um, Alaska Magazine, going through that in college. Uh, so I was pretty excited about checking out this area and uh, left right after college come up here and it's been great been outdoors been able to work outdoors most of my career cool and dan you know same question would you say the outdoors is part of the reason why you moved up here for sure um yeah when i first kind of heard about the job i, I didn't really think it was real <laughs> you know uh, a cabin's um position year round um 
And so I came up in the summertime, kind of kicked the tires, um, got to know the area a little bit better. And, um, yeah, was, uh, was ready to move back, um, and kind of start, yeah, start a new, new career and, and a new job out up here. And Matt, you know, same question. You mentioned that your family is sort of what brought you back, but would you say that maybe part of that reason was also because of the outdoors here? Well, I'd say that it's more that uh, that's what brought all of us here, or much of it. It was much of it was the place and the lifestyle that brought my family, my parents, and my siblings up here before I came up. And I'll throw this question to you first. You know, what would you say inspired your love for the great outdoors? I don't know. I would I would say that was uh, I don't know God given. That's I always have as a kid. I, even growing up in the city, I spent much of my time in the backyard poking around in the lake on canoes things like that and dan same question you know what would you say inspired your love for the great outdoors yeah when i was growing up um, my grandparents they had a little cottage up in the catskill mountains and um, we would the day after school let out we would all pile in the car and head up head up there um, and spent the whole summer um, you know swimming sailing just running around fishing um, digging up earthworms salamanders um and then we would stay until the sunday before school was about to start again um so yeah growing up you know we were out outdoors um especially in the summertime just all the time and leah you know same question what would you say inspired your love for the great outdoors so growing up in a very urban environment where everyone had a quarter acre if they were lucky and um the outdoors were really manipulated I had a youth of summer camp and school field trips to the marsh and learning how to do um, the stingray shuffle and be protected from nature and be careful because it could get you. And so I looked to those really positive summer camp experiences, um, interestingly, in Michigan. Um, So kind of we only have the Michigan, Florida, Alaska vibe going on. Um, But yeah, for me, it was organized play outside and um, people smarter than myself or more experienced than myself kind of introducing ways to be outdoors and have fun. And it was really important, uh, important times compared to being indoors all the time. Cool. And um, Steve, you know, same question. What would you say inspired your love for the great outdoors? Kind of surprised my parents that I got into this so much up here uh, because growing up, we didn't necessarily do anything group organized, uh, family wise out in the outdoors. But I got to say it's curiosity. I always jumped into the next thing. And I did a little bit of outdoor stuff with the uh, outdoor club back at Michigan State. Um, but it's always wanting to know what's around the next corner, which drives some of my friends crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you, you mentioned that you, you weren't as involved as in the outdoors as you were, you know, as a child. Um, I guess sort of tell me about some of your earliest outdoor memories involving the great outdoors. Um, I'd have to say coming around up to the Kenai Peninsula, um, it's just the ease of hiking. Uh, basically the clothes you're wearing, you can get away with it for a while, depending on how far out you're going. Um, but that, that's, uh, always been relaxing and I love the views from up on the higher ridges. Um, prior to that, I was down in Southeast Alaska for almost 15 years and 
got into boating a little bit into kayaking down there um but running around on a boat uh you know within 15 minutes you can't see another building and that was really a nice uh, place to live for a while and leah i'll throw this question to you i guess tell me about maybe your earliest memory involving the great outdoors my earliest memory um if i go far enough back I was lucky enough to live over in Europe. Again, really organized, manicured, manipulated outdoors, but it's still nature. And I have really amazing memories of like rolling hills. The things that that I remember aren't specific to a, like a single place. They're kind of all mixed together in this like green, wet, uh, rolling hills. I think there were some sheep in there. And then it changes to, again, I, like, I think water is my connector because that summer camp experience was gunnel walks and canoes and, um, you know, getting into creeks and figuring out what's in the mud. And those are the earliest memories I have. And Dan, same question for you, I guess, tell me about some of your, your earliest memories involving the great outdoors. Yeah, for me, it's it's back at my grandparents' uh, summer house and um, just being in the water every day, basically all day long, just, just coming out, just a prune raisin at the end of the day. Um, but, you know, swimming at a real young age and, um, you know, fishing with my grandpa and um, sailing little sunfish sailboats around. And it was really just, just a kind of an incredible um, just experience as a kid. That, that was my, you know, as a summer vacation. And Matt, same question. Earliest uh, childhood memory involving the great outdoors? Yeah, the, the farthest I can reach back and remember uh, was uh, harvesting bananas. It was a jungle of a place behind a house that we lived. It was a vacant lot. Um, it really was a jungle. And we brought a big whole, I don't know what you call it, a big bunch of bananas back to our house. And uh, that, that was really fun. Uh, but then beyond that, just... Uh, after that, lots of time growing up on a lake and going to state parks in Florida and such. Was that banana situation in Florida? Yes, yes. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> um, so uh, I'll throw this question to you first, Matt. You know, in your youth, were you involved in any sort of recreational clubs, activities, groups, sports, anything like that? Uh, no, it was mostly just my, my family t- went to state parks and such, uh, so it wasn't until later, uh, until later in high school, whenever it was time to select sports, that um, it was my parents who, who suggested it, uh, rowing. I was on the crew team for all four years of high school, so we spent you know, practice every day out on the lakes where there were you know, fish and eagles and things like that. It was, uh, that was a great way to spend time. And uh, Dan, same question. You know, were you involved in any sort of recreational activities, clubs, sports uh, within your youth? Yeah, when I was really young, I, I was in the Boy Scouts for a little bit, but kind of washed out of that. And, um, you know, most of my afternoons were spent playing basketball. Um, we didn't have a, a ton of green space around where, where I grew up in New York. But, um, yeah, you could pretty much find me on a basketball court any, when I wasn't in school. Cool. And Leah, same question, you know, were you involved in any sort of outdoor recreation, sports as a, as a child? Yeah, I wasn't blessed with that tall gene like Dan, so I was not on the basketball court. But yeah, I was in uh, Girl Scouts for most of, actually all of my elementary years. And that scout experience did get me to summer camp experiences and uh, troop camp. And then I was really lucky I got to do a summer program, gosh, at least three, three of my summers, probably like fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. 
um, that was marine science based. So we were out and we were dissecting stuff and going on really cool trips. Again, being in Florida made it easy. But yeah, between those two. Cool. And Steve, I know you mentioned that as a child, you weren't as involved in the outdoors as maybe you are now, but you talked about, you know, being involved in college. Tell me about some of your uh, outdoor recreational extracurriculars in, in college. Yeah. Uh, well, I, as a youth, I did participate in the outdoors via lawn mowing <laughs> and getting off the bus and running the backyard to play baseball. And I don't know what happened during the winters, but uh, when I was at Michigan State, I got into cross-country skiing for the first time on uh, wooden skis and pine tar back in the day. Uh, and then did some rock climbing, a um, bit of camping, uh, not too much extended backpacking, um, mostly overnight trips. And then there's always inner tubing down the rivers. Cool. And, you know, tell me about your first uh, outdoor recreational endeavor on the Kenai Peninsula. That's that's hard to think back that far. <laughs> uh, you know, it's probably got to be going up skyline. <laughs> but uh, since then, we're it's we're real comfortable around here as far as we know the seasonal things to do, like when the um, trails start to thaw out, the south facing trails. Uh, there's kind of a series that we end up doing, like Hidden Creek first. And then uh, Ski Lack Overlook, um, and then look more towards Skyline area. So we're real fortunate to have the Wildlife Refuge here just out our back door. Uh, another fun thing that we've gotten into is usually Memorial Weekend, we'll float down the Kenai River from Ski Lack Lake, and we can do overnight camping too. And you know, how are, how are those experiences floating down the river and camping? You know, I was thinking when you asked earlier questions, the the real thing that that I think isn't rooted in all of us uh, from being the outdoors is you're present. You know, you're dealing with what's in front of you instead of thinking about, uh, well, you might think about it, but did I leave the garage door open? That sort of thing. <laughs> so it does bring you present. And Leah, uh, tell me about your first recreational endeavor here on the Kenai Peninsula. When I first got to the Kenai, I was here for a week. It was a volunteer trip, and it was like all the taste testing that you wanted, like way more of. So the next summer when I was able to come back, my first trip was to go out to Hidden Lake Campground and do an overnight camp. Uh, It was, you know, I had just arrived, right? So I had a borrowed tent and a borrowed, I think everything that I had was pretty much borrowed, and I got dropped off because I didn't have a car, and it was um, definitely a sink or swim situation, but man, it was so beautiful. And, uh, I still have a favorite campsite because of it, because it was that first memory here on the Kenai. And, you know, you said it's your favorite. Have you gone, how many, how many times would you say you've gone back since, since then? (laughs) Well, now I, now I manage that campground. So I go back a lot, but I haven't camped there very often. It's maybe just a little too close to work. Um, we find ourselves going over to the Chugach National Forest um, as a family, and then uh, we do day trips on the, the Kenai. If I don't get far enough away, I start looking at signs and trash and start working. So I go to other places, but I do go back often for day trips. And like I said, just to take into uh, my kids love swimming in Hidden Lake. Again, that Alaskan kid thing that where they never are cold. 
And so we go often in the summer just so they can go swimming. Cool. And Dan, you know, same question. Tell me about your first recreational endeavor here on the Kenai Peninsula. Well, the first one, I, well, probably the first one is getting dumped in the Kenai River in a canoe, but I don't know if I really want to tell all the details on that. So um, we'll just leave that as that, yes, that happened. Uh, one of the, the earliest ones I can remember was um, one of the first guys I met up here. He was, um, he invited me to go hiking and uh, he was a, he was an old hot shot. And so his idea of hiking was, um, just going straight up one of the mountains um, and to bring along his rifle to see if he could harvest a, a black bear too. So uh, I was able to keep up, um, but I learned to kind of ask a couple more questions before heading out with him. And and uh, Matt, same question, you know, tell me about your first recreational endeavor here on the Kenai Peninsula. Sure, yeah. Our, I've, I'm not sure which was the first, but some of the first things we did or that I did were, were on, uh, on the refuge. We're on the Seven Lakes Trail and uh on the swanson river canoe route on the swan lake canoe route cool yeah my my first uh recreational activity here on the kenai peninsula was also on the wildlife refuge it was on um ski lake loop trail i believe is the name of the trail ski yes that one that one uh that was i had been here maybe three or four days at that point i'm still relatively new to the area i moved here about three months ago so um yeah Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. So, you know, tell me about, I'll, I guess I'll throw the question to you first. Tell me about, um, an outdoor related memory here on the peninsula that maybe you haven't talked about that really stands out to you. So I, um, I'm really lucky in my job that I get to guide people on walks on our trails. I don't do as much as I once did, but, um, during my master's, I met some really remarkable people, and they were coming up here to do some work in Alaska um, and worked on the refuge for a few few weeks. And the party was a really mixed group of ages. We had one of the kids of the family came. So we had maybe five years old, and we had our upper reaches were probably like 75. So a wide range of, of ages and abilities and experiences. And we went on... Uh, the Upper Kenai River Trail. It's a pretty easy stretch just up to a really amazing overlook over the Kenai River Canyon. And I won't forget that. Um, Being able to have people that I knew, at the time it was all this um, online school stuff, so we were all in boxes and all of a sudden we were all together in real life, real time, kind of similar to how we're experiencing life now, kind of coming out of our (laughs) Zoom boxes and going out together and watching everyone at all of those generations have this shared experience of this amazing place and the scale is just, it's huge. So I think that's always stick with me. And Dan, same question. Tell me about an outdoor related memory that you haven't touched on that really stands out to you here on the peninsula. Yeah, I guess I'll put in a plug for um, just all of the the cabins um, that we have here on the refuge and um, forest service and state and uh, the yurts that are down at Ketchmack Bay. They really um, really provide just a, a really nice opportunity to get out um, and kind of a, a safe place to, to run back to when a storm comes up or if you get caught out in the rain to warm up with the stove. Um, you know, it's just really nice, um, really nice to have those available to us. And tell me a bit more about the cabins. Yep. So here on the refuge, we have um, about 
two dozen cabins, 18, 17, 18, that you can rent or um, stay in to first come, first serve. Um, they, um, they're pretty Spartan inside, but, you know, everything that you need and really nothing that you don't. So uh, a wood stove, a um, couple of, couple of hard, hardwood bunks and tables and chairs and uh, a couple rowboats at, at most of them. Um, you can get out and fish. And where, like, on the refuge are these cabins located? Yeah, they're, you know, pretty spread out. We got about 2 million acres, and we kind of inhabit kind of all corners. So um, some of the most popular ones, the roadside cabins, are in Ski Lack Rec area and um, out Swanson River Road, Dolly Varden Lake. And then the historic cabins, um, there's a bunch on Tustamina Lake and one on Ski Lack Lake and um, then a, a couple that are um, up north. And for the ones that you can rent, how, how do you go about reserving those? Yep, uh, you can reserve those on recreation.gov. Um, they're pretty popular and discovered, so you, you kind of have to get on there pretty early. They open up six months in advance. Cool. And Matt, you know, back to my original question, tell me about an outdoor-related memory here on the peninsula that you maybe haven't touched on that really stands out to you. Well, there are some very special ones to me here. So the... F- one of the first was was on Seven Lakes Trail that I had mentioned, but it's it, it's a pretty low key, you know, maybe not the most exciting trail around. But that day, I it was one, my first summer up here after moving up, and uh, there was I found out there was someone else who wanted to go hiking that day, um, a lovely young woman, and so we we hiked and walked and talked, had a very nice time together, and. Uh, it was about two years later, we went back on the refuge for another memorable trip for our, our uh, honeymoon. We, we, I married that girl. Um, so that's a very memorable trip. But yeah, our honeymoon, most of our honeymoon was out, was out on the, the Swan Lake um, canoe route. Oh, wow. Neat. <laughs> and Steve, I'll throw this question to you since I haven't asked it yet. Um, tell me about an outdoor-related memory that you have here on the peninsula that stands out to you. I have quite a bit, but... Um one I've been thinking about lately is I like cross-country skiing Eggman Lake, crossing the lake, and then if you get cold enough spell, the muskeg creeks between the lakes freezes, and it's almost like being on a sidewalk and just weaving through the trees. Uh, the fire's kind of messed that up lately, but, um, yeah, you can connect Eggman and Peterson and Kelly Lake, and it makes for a real nice afternoon. And would you say that, you know, some of your uh, favorite outdoor-related memories involve the Kenai Peninsula Outdoor Club? Uh, yeah, I'd say about 100%. <laughs> Everything you come up with, uh, any idea, you throw it out on the uh, Meetup website, and then you have people to hike with. And that's why hike, ski, kayak, camp. Um, that's why the club got started 32 years ago. Uh, people new to the area, where do you meet other people, and who wants to hike alone because you hear about Alaska brown bears. <laughs> and, you know, I've, I've come out to some of the outdoor club events. I, I recently went skiing with you. Um, so kind of in that same light, do you, do you prefer summer or winter-related activities here on the peninsula? You know, we, we kind of chuckle about it because we're more active in the winter than we are in the summer, and I think that's because you have guests and you're out fishing and you're doing different things, but um, 
Yeah, the the winter's just fabulous here. One of my uh, crazier memories was meeting at the wildlife refuge at the visitor center. This is quite a few years ago, and might have been around January or so, and it was minus 26 that day. And there was three of us, and we looked at each other and thought, well, we got our clothes, got our skis, might as well try it. And we did the Nordic Loop. Uh, We were out there for an hour and a half. So Dan probably knows this. There's no such thing as bad weather. There's only bad clothing. And, you know, um, you, you, you talked about skiing. What are some of your other favorite recreational activities here on the peninsula to participate in? Well, the, I don't do it so much anymore, but mountain biking along some of these trails, Crescent Lake's one of the favorite ones. It's got a variety of terrain. Uh, but I find myself now, instead of trying to jump things and improve my uh, skills, I'm walking down things. Uh, but going up uh, Resurrection Trail, if you're lucky, you can connect the cabins and do the Resurrection Trail over like, four days and end up in Hope going from this end. Um, Juneau Falls is a good trail. Uh, going up the falls towards the wintertime is nice. It's f- starting to freeze up. Cool. And Leah, you know, um, do you prefer summer or winter activities here on the peninsula? That is such a tough question. I don't know if there's a winner um, in that debate. I think summer, like you said, is so busy that we may not take as much time for ourselves as we do in winter. I think that might be what what you're saying, Steve, is, is we get some time to ourselves in winter. I love fishing and I like spending time on the water. Again, that water is a real uh, attractant for me. Just anything, a lake, a river, um, cook and lit. So I think that um, can answers the question. If it's got water, like if we're fishing or if we're kayaking or canoeing or um, jumping in puddles with my kids, that, that works for me, both all seasons really. And you mentioned, you know, some water activities, I guess. Tell me a bit more about some of your favorite recreational activities to participate in on the peninsula. Okay. Um, Probably, well, let's go to fishing, you know, because we talk, everyone thinks about fishing and you immediately think about salmon fishing on the Kenai River. And none of us were born yesterday. Like that is just a spectacular recreational opportunity. Um, but some of my best memories is actually staying out at Kelly Lake Cabin. There's this little trail along the the shoreline, kind of, what would that be, to the east of the cabin and um, to the left after you go out the cabin door. Uh, But there's like this great little spot for trout fishing, and I learned how to fly fish there. My husband is very, very patient, and uh, that's, that's really wonderful because it slows you down. You know, you don't have to be with a bunch of people. You can find your place. You have to pay attention to what's going on. They call it match the hatch, right? What's What What are the bugs doing? What are the fish looking for? What time of day is it? Um, so you're a little more acutely aware of what, what you're doing and where you are. That's, that's probably my, one of my favorites now. And I'll throw this same question to you, Dan. Do you prefer summer or, or winter activities on the peninsula? Well, I certainly like to camp better in the wintertime. Um, cause you're not out there battling the mosquitoes, but, um, I enjoy really all seasons. It, the, the only, maybe the only season that I don't look forward to is breakup because I get water in my crawl space and Skelac Lake road kind of turns into, can turn into a muddy mess. Um, and that can kind of comp- complicate things, but, uh, 
yeah, definitely more of a winter winter camper um, at the cabins for sure. And you know, in addition to camping, like you just mentioned, what are some of your other favorite recreational activities to participate here on the peninsula? Yep. So we've got a young son, so we've got him um, involved in skiing. So uh, we do quite a bit of skiing in the winter time, and then uh, in the summertime, we try to get out there. We've got a little zodiac, so um, head out to Tustamina and try to spend some time time out there and on ski lack and and just try to get on the water like these guys are talking about. And you know, you work with the Wildlife Refuge. Tell me a bit more about your role with them. Yep, I work uh, in the cabins program. Um, so, like I said, we've got we've got about two dozen cabins that we we maintain, um, and most of those the folks can can rent out. So, it's a neat program. It's um, not wholly unique in the Fish and Wildlife Service, but uh, not many refuges have cabins. So, um, we're fortunate there, um, and it's just it's it's neat. Like everyone these cabins are everyone, you know, everyone that hearing this conversation has, you know, these cabins available to them. So we all have, have Alaskan cabins. Um, and we'll take care of the maintenance. You don't have to pay taxes on them. It's, it's pretty sweet. Cool. And, and Matt remind me you're with fish and wildlife service, correct? Um, you know, tell me about your role with, uh, with them. Yeah. So I serve as a biologist. So, uh, my background is botany and entomology. And so over the years, that's mostly the kind of work I've done. Uh, and increasingly over the last decade, I've been doing more and more invasive species work. So both aquatic invasives like Elodia and northern pike, and, um, but on all of terrestrial plants also. And, you know, I guess briefly tell me about a little bit more about some of those invasive species and, you know, how they're impacting the peninsula. Uh, well, things are changing, um, and, and it will continue to change as, as things get brought up. Um, but the story still is that... Uh, we have, you know, it's still a beautiful landscape, and it's still uh, intact and functioning like it should. I mean, uh, it's not much different than it has been for a long time, um, but we're trying to keep it that way. Um, and it, there there are changes. I mean, there are, there are species that are, uh, especially insects, that can move around quite well that are out in the woods now that weren't there before. Um, but in, in there are there are definitely some plants that we're, we're trying to contain and watch out for and, and keep from... Um, expanding in farther into the refuge and onto the peninsula generally. And Leah, um, you also work for the Wildlife Refuge. Tell me a bit more about your role with them. Yeah, I'm the lead park ranger at the refuge and the visitor center manager. Um, that depends on the, the time of year, what that defines itself as. Um, this time of year, I'm found mostly at the visitor center um, and doing programs from the center, so guided snowshoe walks and hosting um, speakers at the center. In the summer, um, it's both the the visitor center and then our recreation area and supporting our seasonal rangers who um, and volunteers who make the campground world possible. And tell me a bit more about, you know, some of those activities that you mentioned, those programs, the, you know, hiking through the woods, guided hikes, you know, yeah. those sort of things. Yeah, it's how I got my start here. You know, when you move up here or even if you've been here and you just want to try a new thing out that you haven't done before, it's really hard to know exactly how to start. And so guided programs um, were how I gained skill and understanding and maybe the 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 trust exercise of being able to go with someone and not get lost and come home mostly in one piece. 
So we do guided walks um, all year round. So those are trail walks out in the Skelac Wildlife Recreation Area in the summer, and then guided snowshoe walks on the ski trails near headquarters here in Soldatna um, in the winter. So those will start in January. The first guided walk is January 6th, and then we'll um, host those every Wednesday and Saturday till we say till March, like spring break time, kind of depends on the weather. We kind of watch it towards the end of the season to see if we can extend it. But it is a really great way to get started. We have snowshoes to borrow for those programs. So if you don't have the gear, you can kind of get, get started without having to invest heavily. And, you know, in addition to these guided walks, um, you know, how else is the wildlife refuge aiming to, you know, trying to get people out into the great outdoors? It's one of our six priority public uses. Um, well, most of those public uses are, are recreation-based. So making sure that, that people can come and hunt and fish and view wildlife and uh, learn more about how our world works. Um, we have a you know, remarkable staff on refuge that talk to each other. And so biology is talking to visitor services. We'll learn, you know, projects that are going on and then we'll be able to bring that conversation up. So that environmental education component, though we have formal programs in the school, that's a conversation that we're always having um, with visitors to to the refuge. Um, So yeah, pretty remarkable opportunity that everyone here on the peninsula has uh, to just have so much public land available. And kind of a bit more of a general question, and you guys already kind of touched on it already, but tell me about, you know, outdoor activities that people can participate on on the uh, wildlife refuge. Uh, This is my shameless plug to uh, either come and visit me at the visitor center or go to the refuge's Facebook page um, or our website for the current activity flyer. Uh, But yeah, what we've got skiing, um, snowshoeing, uh, aviation, so you can fly in and land on specific spots of the refuge, and um, hunting, trapping, uh, you guys can jump in any point in time, canoeing, kayaking, ice go for it. ice skating, ice skating, we just don't Nordic manage skating. for ice skating, so it might be a little bit rough, you gotta be ready to go. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty nice, I was out on Dolly actually earlier this week, and the, the ice is pretty sweet for for ice skating right now the the snow that's on it's um it's pretty light and fluffy so cool and i'll I'll throw this question to you first you know what do you think makes the kenai national wildlife refuge stand out to compared to other wildlife refuges around the country (laughs) wow um yeah i guess let's take a minute i guess pat ourselves on the back you know um The, there's a, just a lot going on um, on the refuge, and I think the the services and kind of the amenities that are here for folks um, probably don't resemble a typical wildlife refuge. Um, you know, we have campgrounds and cabins and trails and boat ramps and, I mean, just just a lot of stuff going on here on the refuge. And, you know, for me personally, um, I think the refuge strikes a, a good balance between um, you know, wildlife protection, but also, you know, you can get out there and hunt and fish and trap. And, um, it's not just like a pretty walled garden that, you know, you can look at, but you're not supposed to touch anything. Um, but you know, there are protections in place to, to try to keep these resources around, um, you know, 
for the future. Cool. And Matt, same question, you know, in your own words, in your own opinion, why do you think that the Kenai National Wildlife Refuge stands out when compared to others around the country? Well, there's a reason that even before it became the refuge or before, for long before that, it was you know it was the native name, the Denina name means the good land. It's a good place. It's a place of intrinsic beauty, and and food to harvest, um, and a good place to live. That's long, way before we were here, it was recognized as as a good place, and it remains so. And Leah, same question. What you know? Why would you say that the Kenai National Wildlife Refuge stands out when looking at other wildlife refuges? The, the real answer is that in Alaska, National Wildlife Refuges are, are generally open. Um, in the lower 48, they're managed as um, mostly as a result of the scenario of just space being manipulated for so long that once you have the single tree that holds the single nest for the single representation of that species, you got to kind of be a little harder on that, that protection. We are so lucky to have, like we all said earlier, about 2 million acres of, um, of habitat that is doing what it was doing, you know, since time immemorial. So we're open. And that's, I think, the biggest deal is that we can all experience it. It allows us to build those relationships with the land that allow us to value it yeah, over time. Along those lines, I was talking with somebody who was, was talking about the canoe system. Um, and comparing it with the uh, you know the other comparable canoe system out there, which is the Minnesota Boundary Waters, mm-hmm. um, where you need to plan your trip, have reservations for all the places you stay. You don't have to ask anybody to come on the refuge. Come anytime and go wherever you like. That's I, I love that. Using the methods and means that are appropriate for the season. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but I totally agree. I think that openness and accessibility you know we talked about being able to get to trails um, and not have to necessarily have thousands of dollars of worth of equipment or or anything you know times are maybe changing we've got a bunch more people here um, we're all transplants of some ilk and um, you'd have to go back I don't know there's many families around who were here uh, originally. So we're all transplants. And with that comes the weight of responsibility to make sure that we don't trot on each other's toes. Um, so, you know, I think with some, there's some planning that has to be done, but yeah, access and, and being able to plot your own course is pretty spectacular. Cool. And Steve, I'll, I'll throw this question back to you. You know, I'm sure you've spent plenty of time on the refuge. What, what do you think makes the Kenai National Wildlife Refuge stand out compared to others around the country? Well, it's it's really the first one that I've been around. Um, so it's like having an extended backyard. You know, like they have mentioned, there's really very little restriction. And you come and go as you like. So, um, yeah, the uh, you had asked us some of the things that we like doing out here. And I forgot to mention that. This time of year, I like to get on the Kenai Peninsula Borough website and look at the satellite photos, and you can see muskegs touching muskegs, and I'll I'll do a copy of that, and then we'll go out and ski, and you can link together muskegs and end up at a lake that you couldn't get to in the summer because it's too marshy. So if you want peace and quiet, that's that's a really fun thing to do. If you're just tuning in to the Kenai Conversation, we are discussing outdoor recreation. 
We're joined by Leah Eskelin, Dan Saxton, and Matt Bowser of the Kenai National Wildlife Refuge, and Steve Ford of the Kenai Peninsula Outdoor Club. And Steve, you know, you're a longtime member of the Kenai Peninsula Outdoor Club. I recently did a story on it, but, you know, for our listeners, tell us a bit more about the Outdoor Club. Uh, yeah, it um, started back in 1991. Um, with somebody posting a flyer to meet at what was Little Schemo's restaurant. And from there, we would gather once a month and make a calendar and mail it out. And then as time goes on, somebody came up with, well, I've got email. Can you email me this? But others didn't, so we're licking stamps and emailing at the same time. And in 2009, my wife found... uh, this uh, platform on the internet uh, called meetup all one word and wherever you travel you can if you're in seattle you do meetup and you can see the activities that people are doing down there um, dog training hiking skiing that sort of stuff so we're on the platform meetup uh, as kenai peninsula outdoor club and i don't know how extensive this was but at one point uh, we are recognized as one of the most active clubs. And I recently talked to somebody that uh, they were down in California, and they said meetup down there, the hiking club, had 2,000 members and hadn't had a meetup in four months. So we're we're probably having three to four meetups every week. And tell me a bit more about some of the activities that the club has you know participated in over the years. Yeah, we're, we're in a pretty heavy... Um, skiing cycle right now so on monday we were over at uh, salteshi trails at slycock uh, because that allows dogs and probably a good time to mention that the wildlife refuge does not allow dogs (laughs) everywhere but the little trails at the headquarters yeah Um, yeah yeah yeah. and then wednesday nights we uh if the weather allows we'll ski like we did last night or uh, wednesday night but um the uh, when the weather's bad, thanks to the wildlife refuge, they developed the Skelac Hill Trail, which parallels the road that goes up to the Wildlife Visitor Center, and that's been used in bad weather um, to exercise. A little bit of an uphill, and if you go extends uh, down to one end and then back, you've got a three mile hike in. Um, and there's been some ice skating that's gone on lately. Uh, but we're pretty much into, we'll also hike. Another benefit of our community is Centennial Trail that's at Soldatna uh, Creek. It's the campground down there. You start in behind the Soldatna Sports Center, and that's a mile-and-a-half loop. So that's another thing you can do on an icy day or if it's kind of good, crappy snow conditions. And you're probably the longest-standing member of the club. You know, what do you say you like most about being a part of the club? Well, it's the friendships. I mean, what do we have? We Wednesday night ski, I think we had 12 to 14 people show up, and we went out afterwards to eat something. Uh, looking down that table, there's not one or two of us that would have even met in this community. All different jobs, all different age groups. Uh and it's, yeah, it's a very good core. You throw something out there, I want to do this. Uh, can anybody share this cabin? It's too expensive. That sort of thing. Um, yeah, we're just 
got to know each other and new people coming and going all the time. And I'm sure you have tons of memories, but tell me about one with your time with this club that stands out to you. Well, we on an annual basis, we've actually uh, rented out an entire lodge up in Talkeetna for the Usyk uh, cross-country ski race up there in March. And so the owners had to even open up some outside cabins because we had so many people sign up. I think we had 24 people that year. Uh, so that's coming up in March. And so we'll do a potluck one night. People come and go. And uh, we'll usually get, we'll get some discount breaks, too, when we do these large group things. Cool. And, um, you know, you mentioned ice skating a few minutes ago. Where are some of the best places to go ice skating here on the peninsula? I bet Dan's got the best information on that. I heard Gene Lake was good briefly and up Hideout Mountain. Yeah, so I was um, I was out on Dolly Varden earlier this week, um, and there was just a nice, nice kind of fluffy um, layer of snow on top of the ice, and it was pretty smooth. Really, not too much overflow, um, which you kind of really slow you down. But uh, it was really nice for either for skating um, or skiing. You, you could do both. So. You know, oftentimes uh, in the fall, if we if it's nice and cold, but we haven't got the snow, you know, that's a nice time to, to get out and skate. And, um, you know, I just kind of have a pair of hockey skates, but I know that kind of the Nordic skating um, is kind of picking up steam, too, for, um, you know, kind of maybe for bigger trips. Cool. And kind of a similar question that I asked a little bit earlier. What do you like most about the Kenai National Wildlife Refuge? Well, paychecks, nice, and health insurance, and a bunch of benefits, um, you know. But again, it, it's um, it's the the activities, it's the access. Um, you know, again, you can you can hike trails, you can get off trail. Um, it's just there's just it, it's big, you know. Like we keep saying, almost two million acres. I mean, it it encompasses a lot of the Kenai Peninsula around here, um, and it just offers just a lot of opportunity. Um, to get out and explore and, um, yeah, to get in the outdoors. Cool. And, you know, Matt, same question. What do you like most about the Kenai National Wildlife Refuge? Well, I'd, working there, it's it's a great crew of people, and that's I've been there just about 20 years because um, there, there are some great people there. Um, so it's a good environment. But uh, one of the best things about it is that it's the backyard. It's right there. So many of these uh, – land management units or conservation units are remote or, or small or, um, or, but for the refuge, it's, it's, it's right there. We can walk out the back door and, and you're on the refuge. You can do work there. You can see beautiful things. Um, you don't have to go anywhere. Um, so that, that's, that's a great quality. And Leah, same question for you. What do you like most about the Kenai National Wildlife Refuge? It is a good question. Um, I think it's diverse. You know, it has so many different uh, angles to it, right? You want to go hike up a mountain, you can do that. You want to go paddle around a little lake that's really protected so you don't have to worry about your kids, you know, flipping over or whatever. You can do that. You can, um, we've talked about flying over. You know, that's a big component of life here in Alaska is, is getting out and getting away from people pretty quickly and you can do that on the refuge uh, while still like we talked about with Steve get together with people on the refuge it's like this really cool connector that gives everyone something that they're looking for 
all times of the year too. I think diversity is what I love so much. And Steve, same question. What do you like most about the Kenai National Wildlife Refuge? Um, the accessibility and we're living in it. You know, we're I used to envy those little towns that were by some uh, ski hill or uh, ski mountain down south or living just outside of Yellowstone. I thought how fortunate it is. And one of the events we had organized with the Outdoor Club was we would go to Bear uh, Lake over in Seward, and then we'd we'd ski around there for 45 minutes, and then we'd ski at the Divide towards Seward, and then we'd go to Devil's Pass ski area, and then we'd ski at the Russian River campground when that was groomed. Um, and at the beginning of it all, I said, you know what, you guys, we just drove through three national parks. And it's only an hour and a half from our house. Isn't that amazing? So, yeah, and it's lack of regulation. Cool. Thank you. Restrictions, <laughs> I should say. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of regulations. <laughs> and, Steve, I guess I'll throw this question to you first. What advice would you give to a newcomer in regards to the Alaskan wilderness? Go see Leah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, well... You know, the number one thing I think that comes up for most people is hiking is a lot of people's first access to the wilderness, and I wouldn't recommend hiking alone. Uh, you know, the chances people come up here wanting to see bears, so good luck. The chances of running into them are slim unless you hit that uh, fall run of salmon and you're in the middle of brush down at Hidden Creek, uh, that sort of thing. Um but just hiking in general, you never know when the bears are going to be around. And then there's always the uh, accidents that could occur. I was uh, hiking up Skyline one year, and I knew it was icy. I was with a bunch of other people. Uh, but I thought, oh, I'll make it up there. Well, <laughs> here I slid sideways off the trail. It was slightly tilted. And it took a while to get back up on that trail. Now, I wasn't hurt at all, but... <laughs> Well, you think about somebody that made that same move and they're a mile and a half from their car. So I'd, I'd recommend finding a buddy. So Kenai Peninsula Outdoor Club. Awesome. And <laughs> Leah, same question to you. Um, you know, what advice would you give to a newcomer in regards to the Alaskan wilderness? You might hear this from everyone. Uh, you'll find a friend, but also don't worry about having to find that friend on your own. Um, there are a lot of us who are seeking opportunities to connect with people, especially new to the area. Um, the refuge intentionally puts together uh, groups that are, you don't have to come with any major skill. Um, I t say, if you can walk, you can snowshoe. So like, try that out. Um, it's not a very uncommon story to find friendships bonded from a guided walk that then they come back like, every, oh, we come back every week. And, and that's kind of like a common storyline. So find a friend, but use the resources that you have already here so you don't have to do it on your own. And Matt, same question. What advice would you give to a newcomer in regards to the Alaskan wilderness? Yeah, I, I think that's, that's good advice that we've had already that to, to go with someone who knows what, what he or she is doing. Um, yeah, I think here it's, it's weather and clothing, knowing what to wear. And just knowing how to behave in, in bear country, um, those are those are just important skills here. And Dan, same question. What advice would you give to a newcomer <laughs> in regards to the Alaskan wilderness? 
Yeah, I think just in general, just be prepared. You know, the, the neat thing about Alaska is it is still wild. Um, you know, it's it's not a place to just um, yeah to to just go off and <laughs> and and not be prepared. And you mentioned you mentioned how you know wild Alaska can be. Um, you know, what do you think makes the Alaskan wilderness so significant um, compared to maybe other places around the world? The first thing that that I, you just realize is just how big it is. I mean, I was fortunate enough to live outside of Glacier National Park, and I just coming from the East Coast, just remember, just thinking like, man, how big this landscape is, and you know, um, just just how big and wild it is. And then you know, living in Alaska for a couple of years, I went back for a wedding, and you know, you can drive through Glacier Park in less than an afternoon. You know, I mean, there's a road that cuts right through it, and so. Um, and then, you know, you're flying home and there's just mountains beyond mountains beyond mountains um, and, and not a road in sight. And so, you know, I think just the just the size, just how vast, um, you know, the wilderness is here in Alaska. And same question to you, Matt. You know, what would you say makes the Alaskan wilderness uh, so significant compared to other places around the world? Yeah, I was going to say scale. So just about the same thing as Dan. Um and getting back to his preparedness, I mean, that, that's there have been times, you know, on Skyline where I'm thinking that I mean, you see people up at the top of Skyline so ill-prepared, surprisingly so, just wearing shorts and uh, T-shirts, cotton T-shirts. And, and yeah, that's fine on a glorious day, but if, if the weather changes and and gets foggy and you tr- get turned around, if you're walking the wrong way, there you can walk for miles and miles. So... Uh, yeah, it's it's a big place, and you need to be prepared for it. And Leah, same question. You know, what would you say makes the Alaskan wilderness stand out to other you know places around the world? Obviously, with such a really big place, when you're flying over it, like Dan said, or um, seeing it from a roadside, um, the scale is just a little bit overwhelming. But what I'm noticing as I um, stay here longer and um, look maybe a little closer is that we are starting to take it a little for granted. And um, it's really, really big, but we're using it really heavily. Um, there's some wilderness areas that used to be like the, the, the you know, one or two people come in here kind of places. And now it's, we have a human waste problems in the middle of literal, you know, wilderness. So I think scale is, is definitely something that defines the Alaska wilderness um, access to that wilderness, but also, you know, this great responsibility that we have to keep it that way. And um, maybe all of this conversation, you know, this, this, we love it. We want to go out there. How do we do it? Let's, how do, how do we prepare? That also comes with like, how do we prepare so that we, that no one was, no one knew that we were there in the end. And that's a challenge. It's like a cool challenge to take up. And Steve, same question for you. You know, what do you think makes the Alaskan wilderness, um, you know, so significant when compared to other places around the world? Well, I I haven't had much experience elsewhere around the world, but um, I, it's just I, I shy away from posting things on Facebook because I feel like I'm bragging. You know, what did I do this afternoon? Well, I went kayaking down Kenai River or... Uh, yeah, we took off on a couple-day hike up Resurrection Trail and camped and went mountain biking here. It's just uh, the access we've got, the terrain is so different. You know, you got your valleys and your rivers and your bays. 
Kachemak Bay is wonderful for kayaking on, and uh, we've got the hiking around this area. So in the mountains, you can't beat the views from on top of the mountains. Cool. And my last question, and I'll throw it to you first, Steve. What do you like most about the great outdoors? Well, I I think the uh, it's it's just uh, it's a natural place to be. You know, that's I think that's where where I'm supposed to be. It's uh, it's it's easy to do. So uh, you know, sitting around the house with four walls and stuff, uh, it's not the comfort level you get when you put on the right clothes and you walk out that door, breathe in that fresh air and. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing that later today. What are you doing later today? <laughs> well, I was hoping to ski Centennial Trail up at the Visitor Center. <laughs> I always check on that. That one is uh, not groomed. And then the other side, you do the Nordic Loops. Um, and also, might be mentioned that the Nordic Trail, the bigger loops, are just for snowshoeing and skiing and the hiking is restricted to Centennial side. Is that right, Leah? And now we're talking about how cool it was to access your public land. So we ask people to um, provide that really great groomed surface for skiing and snowshoeing off to the edge. Winter hikers, it's just easier where we already have lots of school children trampling the Kenai Trail. So that's, that's what we ask. Um, it's not officially closed. Um, but yeah, it, skiing on Nordic trails are just, they're wonderful once they get rolled out. Cool. And Leah, I'll, I'll throw this last question to you. Um, what do you like most about the great outdoors? I think you get away from all those distractions, um, uh, that keep you from making those really important relationships, uh, you know, come, come a little deeper, you know, you get to have good conversations that don't get interrupted by electronics and, um, there's a time and a place for that. We're using a ton of GPS apps now to actually get outdoors. So there's nothing wrong with that. That's just that's a tool in the toolbox. But yeah, being outdoors and making connections and spending time together, that's what's important to me. And Matt, same question. What do you like most about the great outdoors? Well, it's the, the beauty and the intricacy of it and all the little details of uh, the little plants and bugs and all that's going on. It's a busy place out there. Cool. And Dan, same question. What do you like most about the great outdoors? Yeah, I, th- I think there's um, there's always just something new to learn and discover. Um, and, you know, a couple years ago, I remember seeing my first otter slide in the, the snow and stopping and like <laughs> with a person I was with, we're trying to figure out just what the heck we're looking at, you know. And, uh, you know, a couple days ago, seeing hair tracks and what looked like a lynx that, that might have been, you know, on its tail. Um, and just trying to figure out kind of what was going on there and trying to, to decipher that story. Um, and then being able to share it, you know, with my son and, and to kind of see the, the natural world through his eyes. And as he's learning the names of birds and then, you know, we get a flock of, you know, bohemian waxwings in our backyard and he's excited about it and he's trying to count it along with us. And, um, yeah, there's just, there's just a lot to learn and a lot to share. And that's all for this episode of the Kenai Conversation. Thank you to Leah Eskelin, Dan Saxton, Matt Bowser, and Steve Ford for joining us. 
You can hear the Kenai Conversation every week on Wednesday at 10 a.m. and Saturday at 5 p.m. here on KDLL. Or you can find it on our website, kdll.org. I'm Hunter Morrison. Thanks for tuning in.